Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's installment of Aftermath Hours. I'm Nathan Grayson, and I am joined by Chris Person and Riley McLeod. Hi, I'm Chris Person. That's Riley. I'm also Chris Person. No, I'm Riley McLeod. And I, too, am Chris Person. So (laughs) we got three Chris's, just like Hollywood. Mm Mm-hmm. One of us is a serial killer. (laughs) Is that how that works with the Hemsworth? I forget. Wait, is that true? Is he a oh, I don't know. No, I don't remember. I just know there's like a three brother situation where one of them killed a guy or person. Oh, yeah, wait, I think I remember reading about this. Yeah, like one of them is pretty notorious. Like what is in hiding or something for having done serious crimes? This is all news to me. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I, this is not uh, actionable. Don't. Yes, no, so for the record, we as journalists are not accusing Chris anyway, of serious crimes. Come Games. to my house, Chris Hemsworth. And then I'll dissuade you from beating me up and we can be friends. Um, but yeah. All right. How are y'all doing on this? I guess mostly fine week. I mean, I, I attended a funeral, but otherwise, how are you doing? I'm Sorry fine. to hear that you, that you attended a funeral. Um, yeah. Yeah. My, uh, unfortunately, my grandmother passed away. So this was her funeral. I went home for that. Um, it was, you know, emotionally fraught in all the ways that you would expect it to be. And now I'm back and very happy to be here with y'all um, instead of, you know, at a graveyard. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. Um, but what about for y'all? I assume that your week, your weeks were substantially more normal. Yeah, my week was normal in the way that that none of my weeks are are normal. We we were just discussing before we started this podcast just how much work there's to do and and I had to do the business math today, which I'm steadily getting better at. And I feel like um I guess as with maybe any job, it's sort of at some point you look up and it's dark outside and you're like, what like what's happened to the day? And um it's just like I've been very busy this week. But yeah, but I, I, I saw on our papers or on on the document that you made. Um, that the, the 50 million, the messenger had, it's been donated to us. Just oh, like yeah, we, we, got, that now. <laughs> we own yeah. it now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I've been torturing everyone in Slack with this cause I'm just obsessed. If you don't know, the messenger was this, um, this media startup by the guy who stoned the hill and got like $50 million in investment. And it basically just turned out a lot of clickbait and in a very sort of 2012 internet play and then it had been sort of in trouble for a while and this week they like shut it down all at once and now you know 300 people are out of jobs no health care no severance um i'm like baffled by the whole website is gone now and now on the homepage it just says the messenger um and i don't understand like why like i'm obsessed with like why would you i get if if i like ran a failing restaurant and i closed my restaurant and i took my stove and all my stuff and i moved out in the middle of the night so that the landlord couldn't get you know the rent and so they couldn't repossess my stove i get that but i don't quite get the instinct to do that on the internet i don't understand what what motivates especially that especially when you course, have like articles like you, you got shit that's written there that you know might be useful down the line. I say yeah, this like to somebody. Why, who, why I've take been, it like, down? I've I've really really been like struggling because like I've I've been neck deep for this fucking piece. That I'm sorry, this is going to be very long. <laughs> uh, I've been neck deep in old newspaper cuttings, and like the degree to which, like the degree to which, like that's useful, and like 
just how ephemeral most of the internet is is really frustrating to me when they just like take it down like I think like they do with like Gawker's archives and shit and you're like I was using that and <laughs> yeah. you know the internet archive can only be load bearing in so many ways yeah I mean like the Gawker archives I get that at least there was like which I think are back up yeah they, but um there's like legal stuff, right? They were the legal contention. I get that if you own that, maybe you don't want to. And I don't know if maybe that's the same for the messenger. If they have some kind of legal fear they don't want to deal with, or like, I don't know. If if anyone in chat or listening to this knows like the motivation there, I'm like yeah, fascinated by it. It makes no sense to me. Um, if anybody oh. in chat is the nine hundred thousand dollar per year making editor in chief of the messenger, <laughs> uh, please share with us all of your secrets. Head us up. Yeah, yeah also, we can keep you anonymous. Uh, we'll just say the nine hundred thousand dollar a year per making employee of the messenger. <laughs> also, um, I assume that this will get cut out in the full podcast, but I was wrong. Sorry about that. Pretend that didn't happen. That was like me misremembering a totally different person. Um, but oh, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, well. no, no, just no making sure. I was like, didn't I? It's like, no, it was not. I, I um, stand by my invitation of Chris Hemsworth anyway, to my house anyway, to anyway, become anyway. friends. Uh, um, moving on, moving on to, uh, the topic of, yeah, it's, I've just been knee deep in newspaper cuttings and like, it's just, it's, it's frustrating. Cause yeah, the, you, oh God, digital arch, like, archiving is so hard. It's really hard. We're going to lose so much shit. We're lo We've already lost so yeah, much we've shit. We've already lost like an incalculable amount of stuff. Um, I mean, it's wild to think about and like, you know, it's hard even on a personal level. Cause I, I think about, you know, like given that geomedia is treating like, you know, all the sites like a chop shop. Um, I wonder like, will Kotaku's archives still be around in a substantial way in like a couple of years? And then I'm like, man, I should download all of my clips just to have yeah. them. And then I'm like, oh, well, that sounds like so much work. And so then yeah. I don't do it. And one day that might all just disappear and then I'll have not done it. And I'm like, well, I guess it's just gone. Yeah. hundred percent. It's like, yeah, I'm definitely rolling the dice on that. I mean, yeah, I guess to me it's, I mean, that is sort of the the traditional entropy of the internet, but in this case, like, the, the swiftness with which, the swiftness with which you could get $50 million, and then, you know, less than a year later, it never existed. It's right. just, like, fascinating and, and horrible, and, and, like, just how, how it's... It's it's like it makes me feel like a baby to be like those are greedy media idiots because I do very much believe often to my own detriment that like nobody gets up in the morning and goes I'm going to be a greedy media idiot <laughs> and like that would be um, great if it were true because it would I, make life I do very that. Sense. every morning I wake yeah. up and I say I'm going to be a greedy media idiot how can I sabotage aftermath and I, yet, I, I every day you, you all prevent me yeah. it's please, crazy please enable us to be uh, high on the hog. I don't know. I think yeah. we'd add more people before we got too high on the hog because there are people we would like to add to the site to make oh, another yeah. site. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like there's a, I don't know. I, I made, I made like good manager union wage at, and after a certain point, like once you hit like 95, it's like, oh, I'm just buying stupid shit here now. You know what I mean? Like you hit a certain point and like it becomes diminishing returns. And so like when you would see people in media, and I, I think about this, like the long tail history was just, uh, was for me the most with, um, Fusion. Like Fusion, if you don't know, if anyone here yeah. doesn't remember Fusion, was this like attempt that Univision had to like kind of astroturf a media site. And they got all of these like really big names, quote unquote, in media, some of whom are very good. You know, I think the die was there. The die is very good. You know what I mean? And then but then like a lot of those people were bought on to Geo when it got merged back into Geo as like legacies. And like 
then we found out like how much those people made. And it's like, you get paid how fucking much? That and it like, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it's like, it's shitty. I think it's less annoying when it's like spread out evenly or within like a group of people. But like when you have people who are underpaid and then you have people that are like really well paid and you're like, I don't know what that person does. I don't know what Felix Salmon or whoever the fuck he was did. What did yeah, he get paid? It was, it was like something 400,000. It was like 400 K. Yeah. It's yeah, like, that's, is, that's three, that's 300 K more than like a good, you know what I mean? And it's like, I understand that the cost of living is pretty high in certain ways. Like if you, you have a whole family and you're the, the sole provider, I get it. But like there's diminishing returns beyond that. And like after a while, it's like there's like no money in media. Why are we giving <laughs> an inordinate amount to this? And like and and it's almost even more like understanding if they're I mean, not more understanding, but like it makes sense in a cynical way if it's an executive because mm -hmm. you're like, oh, yeah, they're just being evil. But like when they're a person who is like technically on your team and you're like, they're getting paid way more, it feels a little bit more like a harsh betrayal sometimes. I don't know how germane that is to the discussion. It's just some shit I remembered. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it makes perfect sense in the context of like you were saying, an EIC who is pulling 900K. Like, I mean, I don't know. I don't know any of these people, so I can't say. I don't think it was some kind of smash and grab where the top brass wanted to line their own pockets mean, and screw everyone like i i kind of believe that they really thought the thing they were doing was a good idea i don't think the thing they were doing was a good idea but i believe that they believe that so i don't know that i that it, it was like just a, a scam right i mean that, like, I, that remains to be know. seen i'm sure that someone's yeah. going to do like a deep dive article investigation yeah. into all of this and uh, I'm sure that at least some dirty laundry is going to come to light. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So Anyway, the whole thing just makes me so angry for people who yeah. got on board and are so screwed. And, and Oh, but wait. I have a great transition. You know what okay. else makes Riley angry? Death Stranding 2, a game that <laughs> Sony know. showed yesterday as part of their state of play presentation, and uh, which certainly got people to react to it because, um, say what you will about Hideo Kojima, but like this game is very Hideo Kojima, at least seemingly based on, you know, this yeah, nine shit's goofy. Yeah. It's the sequel to a goofy game. And I, 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 I had the difficulty wording this online and then people got mad at me for this. And I actually had to like online mad at you, <laughs> uh, but no, no. So like, I think the thing that we were trying to art that, cause we had this long conversation about like you kind of bristle at Kojima. I don't want to speak for you too much, but like you bristle at like, kojima in this way where it's like this is, this is boring or weird you know not or not even boring but just like it's it's annoying or something like that and i and particular like uh, the part i think where we ended up agreeing and not to relitigate this is that people kind of throw themselves at kojima in a way that's sort of embarrassing and i agree as somebody who really likes hideo kojima's work i think it gets annoying Sometimes I think it fundamentally becomes irritating the degree to which people who should be professionals about this talk about this stuff. I say that as somebody who regularly like is like, oh, yeah, fucking rules. And I like <laughs> big parts of that trailer. I was like, yeah, little puppet guy. Sure. Yeah. You know, so the, cool. the fucking taking off your mask and it's a Joker mask. Sure. Fine. Yeah. You know, fucking guitar is a weapon. And we all agree yeah. that Troy Baker is great. No. Um, but but like the issue isn't to me you know, and this is the thing I basically said was like, 
I think that he would have less of a cult of personality if more people got to do this shit. Yes, absolutely. You know what I mean? And like, if they got a big game and they were able to like make a little glove that like smokes a cig, lights your cigarette for you. I think that shit's cool. I think more people should be given carte blanche to do that. And the response from people who were, I'm going to say it, cult-like devotees to Kojima uncritically was like, well, he gets to do that. It was just a meritocratic response. And I'm like, you're missing the fucking point. (laughs) The point is that, you know, yes, he has a long history. It is earned goodwill, you know, but it's also like an engineered thing. It's this, it's this like, it's this thing we've all agreed on, like the person of Kojima versus the people who develop his games. And like, it's kind of annoying sometimes. Like it makes you uncritical. It makes you less able to engage with the work in a meaningful way and to engage with the person in a meaningful way. Like, you know, if some shit ever came out about Kojima that was bad, then I think a lot of people would have difficulty reconciling it with their idea of who Kojima is. I'm not saying that is is the case, but like this is one of the many pitfalls that you you come into when you deify a person like that. Mm-hmm. And And I think it would be... And and I think it's 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 a shame that he's in the catbird seat to make new images, to make weird shit ha- that happens. And like yeah. that's the part that bums me out is like give other people a shot. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, and I think also like you know to your point about the kind of lack of criticality around him, you also end up in this place where you know, and I, I think that uh, our former uh, Kotaku staffer actually Harper was talking about this on Twitter, where like because everyone considers Kojima to be the weird stuff guy. They look at his stuff and simply say, "Oh, it's so weird, it's so wacky," without engaging in the su- without engaging with the substance of what he's trying to say, which in a lot yeah. of cases is not actually that hard to read. It's pretty legible. No, like he he's very straightforward in like the points he's trying to make in his broader politics, even if he does it in ways that are sometimes weird or wacky. Yeah, I mean, there is times where he becomes like obtuse and sh- like you know, there are times where he's using like you know, magical realism and metaphor and shit like that. But I guess it's one of those things that I come up to again and again and again, which is like the flow is the floor is so low for so much of gaming mm-hmm. that we've, you know, we fully bought into auteur theory, which I think is honestly, you know, you can say like, okay, you know, remedy Miyazaki, you can say a lot of things, but I think that an entire category of, of auteur is actually so, sort of in i think he's like part of an older class of guy you don't see anymore yeah exactly. which is like like fucking peter molyneux right. or uh you know the creator of heavy rain you know it's like these guys who were the everything guys because everybody guys. had sort of like loaded auteur theory onto that shit and you know i again not to take anything away from him because he's a singular fucking guy he does singular work in certain ways but he's also part of a team you know he has what makes his games is not just him. It's the people who work there. And, and right. yeah, I don't know. That's it. I have a complicated feelings about him and you should, because that's how you should engage with people whose art you like. Right. Right. That's the best part about engaging with art. Honestly, is like having complicated feelings about it and digging into it and even disagreeing with it. Like apple cider in chat, who also moderates it for us and is a great person. Um, says, uh, I think Kojima is fascinating, but it is so funny that people get annoyed when you try to poke at his latent goofiness with regard to women, which, yeah, is a consistent theme across his work, which is I, not always well I mean, handled. It, and it's like, it's fine to engage with Paz, that. Ground Zero's not good. That's sorry. That was, that was like one of the most embarrassing. That's like one of the most like genuinely, 
I will say evil things that he ever did was like how, how Ground Zeroes ends. I think it's like disrespectful to that character and I think it does not pay off. Um, Quiet's a little goofier and shit. You know, it's like, oh, you'll figure out when she, the reason why she's sexy, it's because she breathes through her skin. You know what I mean? Like that's, yeah. that shit. I know I can see Riley being like, um, what? And it's like, no, there's. there's no, I remember it, that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But, but no, I mean, like, I think that like, in, you know, like I've said before, in order to be a hater, you have to fully understand and recognize the ways in which your the things you dislike are good sometimes. And in order to really be a fan or, you know, to appreciate someone's work, you have to understand the ways in which the author is flawed, limited or bad. J.G. Ballard doesn't write women well. Neither does Hideo Kojima. Fucking nor does like Philip K. Dick. Philip K. Dick didn't write women well. Most right. science fiction authors yeah, didn't write say, women well, out. aside from like science fiction writers who were women or gay. Yeah. Like really, that was it in the 60s and shit. Like most of them sucked ass. And it was, you know, it was like James Tiptree pretending, you know, to be a man uh, as under a pseudonym. And then like Joanna Russ and people like that. And like, you know, if you don't engage with the flaws of the person you like, you will never understand them well enough. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I get that. We were saying this yesterday as I subjected myself to the entire Death Stranding 2 trailer, getting angrier and angrier <laughs> until I think Luke was like, why are you like, why are you watching? You don't have this? to do it. You're not running a press conference. You don't have to watch this. Like, yeah. stop. Um, and I've never played a Kojima game. I didn't play Death Stranding. Um, and I, I think, you know, for me, like, I mean, and that's why like, I can't get myself all riled up because I know that I don't understand it. I did try to play Metal Gear Solid five and i didn't get far because i like stealth games but for some reason in the way of a whole stealth game was all of this tedious junk and i was like <laughs> you know i'm like dour and unfun and and we were talking about this yesterday nathan and i clash over this a lot because i'm sort of like anti-maximalism and i'm anti-nonsense and, right and i'm pro-nonsense and pro-maximalism yeah I, I want to reveal to everybody here and that's fine um i've watched <laughs> that entire death standing trailer twice i watched it again last night just for fun so that's the I'm kind like, of person I am. It's like, I thought, it looks fun. It looks fun Harper's, to me. Yeah, I thought Harper's points were good because I, I feel like I just watched it grow increasingly weirder and it just being like, what about this? What about that? I want to put this in here. Here's that. And I'm just like, for Christ's sake, man, like, leave me alone. Like, and what Harper, is this? And again, Harper, I was watching it. I could just close it. It's my fault. But I think that like to what you said before, Chris, like, and I don't understand it and I can't really make this argument like firmly, but like, you know, I think because the bar is so low in games we could argue about what that means and whether or not that's true i I feel like i get sort of inordinately mad when i see things that i don't understand be held up as like this is our genius and i'm like and i feel the same way about like neil Druckmann, Mm -hmm. or like this is our smart adult man i feel stronger i feel stronger in the negative about neil Druckmann. yeah i mean like yeah i feel i feel i feel annoyed by neil Druckmann to the point where i'm like oh this is just like yeah i mean also i do i do i I mean, Harper, Harper, among all of us is probably, I mean, not among all of us, but among people who, within the greater, like, Harper wrote Kotaku, a, a book about Metal Gear? Oh, about, yeah, it was Revengeance, yeah. right? About, yeah. yeah, Revengeance, and then also Revengeance, all those but, retrospectives which is, for Kotaku. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Revengeance is my favorite. Uh, I think there's, his hand, Kotaku, uh, sorry, uh, Kojima's hand feels less present in that than in any other game. Uh, I think partially because of its development, but also like writing wise, it doesn't feel as much like him. And that might be why it's good. (laughs) This might be why it's my favorite is because like the ways in which it's interesting resonate more with me, somebody who fucks with Ninja Gaiden pretty heavily than people who are really deep in the trenches 
uh, MGS nerds first and foremost. Um, I, um, I don't know. I also, what? I also, I also agree with Harper's point that there is a degree of Orientalism to his to liking Kojima's weirdness. It was like, little wacky Japan. It's like, no, he's yeah. an adult. He's an adult with several press handlers. You can, you can <laughs> say shit. I got, I got so pissed off about, about video games last night <laughs> because of all this. Cause I just worked myself up about my own bullshit. Um, I watched the 1967 v- TV movie of the crucible with the, the, um, Arthur Miller, Arthur Miller play, which I had never mm-hmm. seen before. For I, for some reason, managed to never see or read it, even though everybody's read it. I just had this moment of like, I'm going to engage with like some classic, you know, art instead of this like the fox is coming out of the baby's mouth garbage <laughs> that I've hooked my financial future to. Um, yeah, it is the Arthur Miller play. Um, it was really good. Uh, the video was kind of dated. I was going to watch the Winona Ryder movie, but you had to pay for it, and the other one was free. And that, that was like, like that was like recorded down the like like near or like something. Right? That one was like recorded like a mile or two away from where I grew up. Oh, really? Cool. Uh, yeah, it's like it's like Bedford or shit. Yeah, I don't know. It's like uh, North, he, it's on the North Shore. Yeah. It's it's it's. Um, that was the one he wrote after Huac, right? Yeah. That, like yeah. A, that's a that, that's that's the whatever. that's the one. He had the metaphor for 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 people being mad at him. Yeah, uh, it's, for being it's a narc. The way <laughs> for being right. a fucking narc. Yeah, I think uh, it probably the the politics of it and the gender politics of it probably read very differently mm-hmm. today. It's funny to look at now and be like, we're accusing all these young women of lying, and that feels like weird. Even though I get why you would make that choice in the fifties narratively and in this situation. Um, anyway, it was it was very good, and I I feel like I ended the night being like, yeah, I'm like I'm a big boy who watches, you know. Big boy art. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which one was this? The sixty-seven really one. Yeah, it was. It's it's fine. It's it's kind of old, obviously. Like, I mean, the play oh, is the uh, this is a really bad rip. Yeah, I'm just looking. <laughs> yeah, there was the the video lines go across. I was like on Amazon, and um, there was something really lovely about that. I think you've written about this recently. Something about seeing the artifacts of video was very like. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, video video me. video yeah. is really cool. It's, it's yeah. Really I hate it, but it's cool. You know, I yeah. hate I hate yeah, having to good. clean. I hate having to clean that shit up, but it's neat. Yeah, it was really neat. Um, so thanks for that, I guess, Kojima. I <laughs> finally, finally um, um, the But yeah, speaking of like Kojima and kind of, you know, the, the I guess the the way that he is a singular figure in games or something approaching that um, in large part because of the opportunities he's been given. And at this point, the insane amount of money that clearly goes into his games. Um, I think it was interesting and probably not intentional on Sony's part that they also showed a trailer for the new game from Ken Levine right. last night. I mean, a, another like, sort of auteurie guy or a guy who like gets treated or got treated for a while in the same way until people realized that he kind of sucked. And then he sort of <laughs> that, disappeared yeah. into the background yes. after I should mention, cause I think a lot of people are not as aware of this as they should be. Um, after basically laying off everybody at Irrational. So like, you know, they make Bioshock Infinite, it sells 11 million copies, and dude lays everybody off because he wants to like make games at a smaller scale. That's where he makes Ghost Story Games, the studio that he now is running to create Judas, a game that, as we saw last night, just looks like another Bioshock. After all this time and all these apparent restarts, according to Jason Schreier and a report he did uh, for Bloomberg a couple years ago, um, you know, all this fuss, and all of these lost jobs and everything else just for a game that, and you know, it's not out yet. Can't say how it will actually play or be, but man, it really just looks like they made another Bioshock. 
It's funny it's, because like 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 Bioshock Infinite, you know, obviously aged poorly. Uh, I kind of liked part like big parts I, of it at the time at the, when I it came like out. It. Yeah, well, but the thing, well, the things that are good about it are these tiny little moments that Ken Levine had nothing to do with, and this is like this is the thing that is is interesting is like the concept of like 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 all the stuff where it's like oh I'm turning the corner and there are these covers like the pop cover thing was like totally not his idea we know this because we know the fucking people who did the stuff we like in that because they've talked about it because they fucking hate his guts there's no reason to cover for a man who does that to people it's surprising that a libertarian would do that <laughs> but um but also it's like one of those things where like I don't know I I was I've been thinking a lot about uh, sin or like the concept of like doing something that you like, the, like he, he pulled some shit and is, and has forever just been pretending like he's, he hasn't. Right. And it, it kind of has like, like a Kevin Spacey showing up and pretending like he's not accused of stuff vibe, mm -hmm. not in the sense of like any similar like criminal doing, but just the idea of like the idea that you would just like pretend like none of that shit happened. And yeah. like, and the reason I'm thinking about that is because I just played Silent Hill, uh, <laughs> the short message. It, uh, you know, if you want to, we can talk about that in a second. But yeah, it, yeah, it we is can. This we can idea, move on to that in a second. It, it is. It is this idea of just like, you know, Kojima is the guy who kept. Like, I think Kojima benefited immensely from the collapse of Konami because he had. Just um, he instantly banks all of the goodwill in the world because that is the messiest, most evil like way that a company has ever come mm -hmm. collapsed, collapse publicly. You know, all the shit about like, oh, we're putting people to work in the gym who worked in the sound department. Like that is like that is like triangle shirtwaist shit. You know, that is like that is like fucking fucking like indentured servitude shit. And to escape from that, I think everybody roots for him now. And it's part of uh, what added to the mythology of Kojima. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that Game the, Awards moment when like he couldn't be yeah. there and Jeff was up on stage being like, hey, here's why. One of the rare times Jeff has taken a stance um, or taken a stand about anything. And, like, Which yeah, means that was it a, was like, unambiguously like an evil act yeah. for them to do. And to say, and which, which is a shame because if you think about like MGS5 and bloat mm -hmm. and like what happens when you're given like perpetual like i don't think that mgs5 would have been good if he finished the way it did like i know i've seen the cutout stuff i think those were interesting parts but i don't think that game would have been the way he wanted it to and i think we saw bits of that in the parts of death stranding that didn't work mm. and that like i like a lot of death stranding parts if it didn't work it's overly long and strange in certain ways i would like him right. to make an mgs3 again you know what i mean i'd like him to make something that's like you play it, you can play it a bunch of times. And like, he doesn't feel like making those games anymore. I understand it. He likes making fucked up weird open world games, but like it muddled the water of being able to sort of engage with that work a little bit to be like, oh, well, if only they'd let him do it. You know, oh, evil Konami didn't let him do it. I was like, mm -hmm. right. it's just like, and, and you know, Konami, and now you have Konami trying to like come back and being like, hey guys. Yeah, we got Silent Hill again. We got something. Can't remember that. Yeah, and again, we're going to, you know, debut our new Silent Hill games on the same presentation as, you know, Kojima, the guy who was doing a new Silent Hill for us until we had a very acrimonious split, um, all of which was very interesting timing. But yeah, I think it is interesting that 
as a result of all of this myth-making and as a result of Kojima becoming this increasingly prominent figure, even in the aftermath of what for many people would have been, you know, a failure or a letdown. Um, he's become more and more prominent. He's become more talkative. He has a podcast. He appears everywhere, even when his games aren't close to being done. Um, right. Meanwhile, Ken Levine did the opposite. He had his very public kind of, you know, moment where people were pissed at him. And then he receded into the background, whereas before he had been this massive foreground character. You know, he was yeah. at like every event. He was talking about like how he used American history to inform the games he was making and like all of his philosophies and things like that. People thought he was some sort of video game philosopher sage. And then he stopped doing that. But evidently, at least again, based on that Bloomberg article, he did not actually change. He didn't learn how to become a good manager. He didn't learn how to like shore up the weaknesses that led to um, the disastrous outcomes that befell the teams that he led. Instead, he just became quieter about it. And now he's still doing it, still plugging away in ways that still are harming people seemingly, or at least leading to, you know. Wait, do we know that? I mean, something I think about. I mean, again, like, read Jason's report. I think we know it. Yeah, I can't remember <laughs> when, his last, when his last one uh, was. According I mean, to yeah, Jason's probably. report, he seems like a piece of shit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that's, and, and I mean, like, not that you would need confirmation for that. You know what I mean? It's like, just even in the way he talks about, like, people and the way he interprets his game, you're like, yeah, you know, nothing to say, to say nothing of, like, I, I don't know. I think there was a time and a place where being a libertarian, though annoying, did not have the same, like, veneer. I think I remember this conversation happening, like, before, like, with Jason Rohrer stuff before that kind of went oh, off the deep man. Uh. You know what I mean? Yeah, annoying. But, like, a friend of mine, when we were talking about this, was like, well, that guy's, like, a ride-your-recumbent-bike-to-the-farmer's-market libertarian. And you could used to be that person, and I don't think that's a possibility anymore. And a lot of the people who were that kind of person transitioned into being somebody else. Yeah, or revealed um, themselves to have been somebody else. to always have been that. Yeah. yeah. But also, like, you know, you'd theoretically, like, see people who are, like, libertarian socialists or something like that, even though there's contradiction of terms. But, like, you get what Someone they were going knows. at. Someone in chat points out the Penn and Teller bullshit era, which yeah, true. no, <laughs> very I, true. And like Penn and Teller bullshit actually transitions pretty. If you like think about it thematically, the inheritor of that is John Oliver. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? The inheritor of that ultimately is like because like what was I don't want to say good about Penn and Teller, but like particularly they're useful. They're very good the, magicians. But that, that's yeah, they're pretty good. Topic. They're pretty good magicians. Uh, but also like the idea of like oh, we are going to show a fundamental way in which this thing is a scam. And some of them, some of, I've actually gone back and watched some of them. Some of them, they're correct in a stopped clock kind of way. But like, you know, now you have John Oliver, who's like the weird liberal daily show version of that. And it's like, mm. yeah, you get it. It's like, you know, family dollar sucks. <laughs> it's the, the, there's one person manning the store. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I guess moving on from some, sort of some of that, um, Chris, you played the new Silent Hill that was released yesterday. It's kind of a surprise. It's it. a short little game. It's first person, right? Um, yeah, it it sounds like it's not good. And then okay. Chris takes a long so, breath. <laughs> okay, so it's frustrating because if you think, hey, there's just a Sony press conference that happened and Konami is releasing a short let's say hour or two hour long playable silent hill experience i don't even want to call it a game but it's not really a demo um to sort of presage something they're doing in the future 
you can't do that and then just pretend that PT doesn't exist. Right. Like you can't. That's impossible. Yeah. You cannot do that, particularly when many of the verbs in the game are sort of PT-esque, even though it is in many ways the opposite of PT. Like PT is this like once in a lifetime, probably one of the best horror games ever made. You know what I mean? And it is this like really frustrating point of pride for a lot of people that like they don't want you to have it. You have to like hack PS3s and PS4 and shit, you know, you have to like pull that shit off a hard driver and like get it to run. And it's like. Okay, there's ways in which this game does certain things right, and I want like to talk about them. Um, basically, it's an interesting game because it's, it's you you wake up in a housing development in Germany that has um, it's basically the, the entire town has been defunded, and the reason why the town town has been defunded is because of two two things that have happened. The first is the 2008 financial collapse. And the second is COVID-19. China pulled its funding out of the revitalization of the, of the town, this town in Germany, because of COVID-19. And so the setting is the housing project that whose, whose construction was abandoned halfway through that teens now just go in and do their bad street art in. That is a good premise. And I want to acknowledge that's a good premise because that's an interesting way to take the series. It's like Silent Hill is anywhere you want it to be. It can't, it's not just America. And it's not even just Japan, even though I know that they're, they're starting to do more Japanese stuff. It is literally like – it's literally like an interesting new direction or a new premise. And much of it is about social media, which is sometimes pretty funny. Because it's about, like, tweeting and shit and, like, teens bullying each other. And there's, like, a part where, like, you're getting a memory of, like, she has more followers than me. She has more followers than me. And it's, like, really, it shouldn't be funny, but it kind of is. But when you start the game, it, it, it literally gives you a big, and I would like to stress now, I'm going to be talking about suicide and self-harm. So just a warning there because that's the main thrust of the game. And you can tell this because when it starts, there is a big warning that says, you know, the, the, the obligatory like, least thing you can do. Hey, if you are struggling with thoughts of self-harm, which I mean, you know, if you're into survival horror games, you know, not impossible. I don't mean to joke about that, but like you, you end up in dark places and engaging with darker art when you don't feel good about yourself. Like that's just some shit that happens. And I know that as somebody who has not always felt good about myself. So you get these like these like this warning, and then it becomes about how this place is now cursed with a rash of of um, acts of suicide. You know, I, I always forget the, the the correct phrasing of that um, because of this like fundamental haunting. And there's extra lore about like a witch, you know, that happened in Germany, and there's also FMV, which is kind of interesting. Like that's an actual interesting, there's like a, a Alan Wake-esque style cut to every time we're talking to our friend, there is FMV. The rest of the game's not very good. And it's annoying because the verbs that you're using to play this game are literally just a Scooby-Doo run and then looking at notes. That's it. I don't think they could do more and not have it really be PT, but they didn't even try for it to be PT. And there's like some really bad stuff, like um, just some really corny shit. Like you'll go in and you open up a locker and there's razor blades and they're covered in blood. Whoa. It's just like fucking, I hate this shit. I'm sorry. Like, I, like, I really don't think that's good. Um, and in particular, when the things that are good about Silent Hill are often really cryptic and take a while to 
sort of parse. Like, to have it just hit you like a freight train, like, just be like, boom, here you go. Here's what it's about. And they do certain things with, like, you know, cyclical stuff. Actually, kind of like the end, which I won't spoil, but it's pretty obvious. Um, but getting back to the point, the entire thing about this and the commonality of this and Silent Hill 2 and much of the Silent Hill series is the idea of a wrong that you did. The idea that you have committed an act that you have not atoned for. You are in hell because of something you did that you have forgotten that you did and do not want to admit you did. That's not every Silent Hill game, but it's a lot of them. And for Konami to put something that is PT-shaped out and to say, hey, we're starting from scratch again. We're going to pick up just where the series left off and to never acknowledge what happened with PT or to attempt to make good on that is never going to work. Like, it's never going to work. They may try. They may put out some good games, but people are always going to feel fucking weird about that. I feel weird about that, particularly when you're doing something like because this game isn't being judged against Silent Hill. It's being judged against PT mm. structurally. It is always going to be judged against PT. That is always going to be the case. And I, you know, it's like the person um, they got Ito to do the fucking character design. They got they got the composer to do they, they got the right people. And the producer uh, seems like he has his heart in the right place, although, you know, I would say that, like, the only promising things for me are the Japanese developed stuff because, you know, what do we have? We have a remake from Bloober that looks, <laughs> I'm going to say it, bad because Bloober has a bad track record with this shit. And then an AI thing that I that confuses me when I try to think about it. But, like, <laughs> I do think that there is the people in the Japanese orbit – have something there. I think there is something to this. I just think it's not very good. It has parts of it that are interesting, but also like they're never going they're going to be haunted. They are going to be in their own silent hill until they acknowledge what they did and try to make restitution at that for that. And if that involves kissing Kojima's ring, which again, not the healthiest thing to do, but like it would probably help bring a lot of people back to let him do something. Like the, yeah. <laughs> right um i mean i oh, do sorry. wonder though like is there because you know i mean already like pt is a thing that happened a little while ago um there's you know new generations of people getting into video games all the time like is there a point at which you know a lot of them don't know that lore that history and they don't really care and they just like see it because you know just living in the modern world in general there's so much stuff that happens that washes away everything else and i could see some people coming into this later on a few, you know, Silent Hill games down the line and being like, yeah, I had no idea that there was this Kojima made thing. To them, it will just be like a, a strange curio as opposed to this like tangible, I, you know, event I, I that think, they take issue with. I think that normally you would be able, if it was another franchise or even another genre, I would agree. Mm -hmm. um, I think the issue becomes about like, who is the fan base for Silent Hill? And the fan base for Silent Hill are all like a community, like, like, like trans streamers who just do survival horror shit. Like that's, and like, they have a long fucking memory. I'm sorry. Like people will remember this until it is made right. You know what I mean? And I don't, I, I, have, I haven't fucking forgiven them for like shit they did to DDR. You know what I mean? Or like, you know, it's, but it goes back to Kojima. It goes back to Silent Hill. It goes back to, you can get all the guys back, but like, you got to do everything. You have to undo a curse. 
This series is cursed until they show pretty solidly that they know what the fuck they're doing. And they kind of don't with this. There's things in it that are okay. The monster design's really solid. The way it animates is very solid. The gameplay made me want to pull my fucking hair out because <laughs> it is literally just like, you're going to, you're like, you're literally like, oh, I'm, I, I know, like I'm looking at my cell phone and it, it gets scarier when they approach me and I have to like loop around. Like there's like three or four gameplay segments in it and like, they're not very good. There's no puzzles, you know, like, and, and, and BT was so complicated that it took like the whole internet to fix it. I don't think they need to do that, but they need to not just make it about like running around from a monster. Mm. I don't uh, know. Right. <clears throat> well, yeah, I mean, let's see. Um, beyond that, you know, cause I think that that pretty much encapsulates the Silent Hill side of things. Um, was there anything else they all saw at the showcase that you thought like, Hey, this is cool or interesting. I mean, I, I feel like there were a few games that caught people's eyes, but I'm not sure if there's anything where I was like, yeah, I'm, I can't wait to play that or that's so neat. I know what I liked. What did you like? Rise of the Ronin. Ah, uh, there we go. Of course. <laughs> you know, right. The game that yeah. moves like, okay, so that was my first impression of that is because I was like, you know, scrolling social media while also watching the stream of all of this. And I looked up for a second and I was like, man, that game just moves like Ninja Gaiden. Like the, the way that yeah. that game just feels even from not from having my my hand on a controller but just watching it i was like ninja gaiden right there sort of i hope mm -hmm. here's the thing about team ninja they've been making this game since what like 2017 2015 somewhere it's, it's, it's been a while this one has that. been in the hopper for a really long time and it's an open world game which they don't really usually make they've been making like neo stranger paradise neo 2 uh wolong these are like contained spaces you know what i mean like that's what they've always been doing is these little arenas that you fight in mm -hmm. that you redo over and over and over again um i think they have needed to i think they've had a lot of problems with that and the main one is that their inventory management is so fucking bad that it makes it difficult to recommend the games and also because it's not a terribly additive thing it's literally just like it's like you get like several hundred to a th to like thousands of swords that you then have to like use macros to break down and then like reforge into a new one. That's not fun. I'm sorry. That's that's boring. I, I, I approve the extent to which that it becomes its own minigame and one in which you're like uh, pushing the limits of like new game plus, you know, 15, you know, Leviathan mode, whatever the fuck you're talking about. Um, but it's not what Ninja Gaiden was, which is one of the evilest and simplest games on earth. Like, it, or it's, it's not even simple, but just like clean. It is a clean experience. You can go in, you can fucking speed run that game. It's fine. Um, I don't know if that's what this is. It seems more like an open world game. It seems closer to like an Assassin's Creed and shit. Or it seems like if Ghost of Tsushima was good. Um, <laughs> or the Man, game I Luke want. is not here to defend it. So. I know. That's why I'm kicking him while he's down. No, it's, <laughs> it, when we were talking, uh, when Luke and I were talking about this, I was like, but what if, what if Team Ninja made it? But if it was good and I think they actually have the writing chops in them to do it because like Neo has some really strong writing parts in it. And, you know, um, I don't know, man, they're just some of the fucking best, like they're just some of the best to do it combat wise. And I think that they've had a all time game in them for a really long time and they've had to put out smaller games of 
more comp, more like niche scope to get to the point where they can put a big one out. And I hope it's this one. I really want them to have like an, a fucking breakthrough moment again where that, where everyone's like, fuck they're this is really good. Um, but that's only because like I had again, cause cause like Ninja Gaiden holds such a special place in my heart. It's like a singular game. It's like an all, it's probably one of my favorite games, if not my favorite game of all time. Right. Yeah. I mean, I still remember playing like the, the first one or the first modern one, um, when I was like a teenager and thinking like it was really mm -hmm. incredible. Um, yeah. and also feeling like, man, I've got to get through this cause this is like the cool hard game right now. And then invariably failing to do so. Um, <laughs> But always marveling at like, you know, it, it felt good. It just felt very mm -hmm. good. Even when you were getting your ass kicked, which was a lot of the time, it felt good. <laughs> which Yeah, fuck, it's a good game, dude. It's, yeah. it's, it, it, it feels like something you have to learn. Uh, Wo Long had parts of that at its ideal point. And I'm glad they added, like, that was a real good moment because, like, they added the producer Bloodborne to Wo Long and, like, it shows because he's, parts of that game feel a little Bloodborne-y in the, in the parry. You know what I mean? Um, and I hope that he worked. I got to look up if he worked on this, but I would like, I hope that, that like, this feels like a studio that's pushing uphill to get somewhere. And I don't know if that's just me hoping and I'm trying to be objective about that. Yeah. Me and he's hoping. And also I just wanted to point out uh, Queer and Sad in chat who, great, great handle. Um, Queer and Sad 3. Yeah. Yeah, that, wow, what happened to Ooh, the other two? two yeah. um, but <laughs> they said, um, I'm loving Wo Long, but the inventory is a war crime, which, yeah, I mean. Yeah, it's it's bad. It's really bad. They 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 need to, like, that's the thing about Team Ninja is, like, you get, like, you have sword and you have bow staff and then you have, like, you have, like, 10 weapons tops that you, like, do an upgrade paths. I forget how many. It's been a while. But, yeah, like, depending on which, like, DLC you're playing or which version, you have a certain number of weapons and they just get slightly better that's about it and then you get moves you know a, a question that suddenly popped into my head it's a bit of a digression but i am curious to know your answers to this like what games in your minds have had particularly good inventories so i feel like oh, an inventory Lord. is such a simple concept um but so many games just get it wildly wrong um neo scavenger one of my favorite survival games um which I think came to mobile a while ago, but is this very, this sort of text-based, grid-based, wandering post-apocalyptic thing, and, and you can find different objects that let you carry different things, like a plastic bag or a shopping cart, or and then everything has to be fiddled with. And it's incredibly fiddly, but in a really like fun, in a way that, that has a real vibe that, that is very vibey with the game and what the mm. game is about. And it's it's... It's super great. I, of course, would say a tedious survival game. <laughs> um, Man, that's a good place for an inventory to actually work well, though. Yeah. So much of it is about inventory management and, you know, resource management. Yeah, I like it. I've been playing a lot of The Long Dark lately, and I endlessly end up with, like, my inventory. Because you have a weight capacity rather than a space inventory, and I am constantly over my capacity, and I don't understand why. I don't have anything, and it makes me nuts. And I think, like, what I love about that game is a lot of that is based on, like, the weight of the things that you have. So, like, I crafted some clothes, and they're really great, but they weigh a lot. And I'm like, oh, my clothes weigh too much, and I spend <laughs> a lot of time putting on different things. And, and so it's like a... But you have to weigh that against like well but if i get attacked by a wolf this coat will protect me more than this other coat which weighs less and like that kind of stuff is really fun to think about but it's not visceral in the same way that like a visceral kind of inventory is mm -hmm. i think but. yeah 
um, Banjo Dark and Chats is Dredge, um, a game which I unfortunately I have not played, game. even though the boat made it really far in our Game of the Year tournament. I have it. It's true. It's on my Switch. I bought it and I just haven't opened it. Um, but uh, I want it sounds to, like you should boats. dredge it up. Yeah, I love mm-hmm. boats. What's um, <laughs> heck, wasn't there another boat game that had this kind of a... Uh, Dave the Well, Diver? I mean, no. you could argue like... Um, yeah, Dave the Diver kind of. You could argue like... I, I think about like Sea of Thieves and how when you get attacked in it, your stuff, people can come on and get your stuff. And the, the physicality of your inventory in that mm. way is is really fun. Where I've definitely had like your boat gets sunk and then your treasure chest, you know, floats away or whatever. And like, that's that's cool. I think anything that has like... Your inventory is a real thing in the real world, I think is cool. I think in a lot of video games, it's like, oh, you have magic man. pockets, right? I just remembered my favorite one, yeah. um, Half-Life Alex. And so I know that's yes. a game that not many people have access no. to. But man, it's so sick because you have a physical inventory um, and that like you you functionally have a backpack on your back. And so if you want to like pull things out or put them in, you literally reach behind you and grab them oh, cool. or reach behind you and put them in. Um, and there's just so much tactility in that game in general, um, that extends to the way that your inventory works. Um, yeah. it's just really cool. And it's, it's so satisfying to just like pull something out. Like, yeah, let's go. I want them to make more stuff. I mean, I know I, the, 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 I get frustrated with the structure of you Valve. want Valve to make yeah. more Half-Life? No way. <laughs> no, but I mean, just like, like, you know, I, I just, you know, like they'll, 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 you'll do something like that cool. And then they'll just shift everyone to support staff or something like that. And yeah. I don't want to speak for the like internal politics of a company that I'm like, not particularly uh, aware of, you know, like, or that I can't know the, the, the inner workings of in a fair way. But like the thing that frustrates me is to see something that does something singular. It's like, okay, now just let him, let him do something else. Let's don't, I don't care about, I don't care about Counter-Strike. I don't care about all the, you know what I mean? Like there's so many, even just like the water, um, shader, which, uh, I think got added to CS. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think they just like use that water shader in CS, uh, now for like, um, what was it for the Molotov? You know, mm. it's pretty, oh, yeah, you know, like it's, they, it's the it, same it, as like the bottle in, in half the wine bottle. Yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 But it's also just like, it's like, man, I just, I, I, I get really frustrated, you know, um, it, it feels like a place where it's hard to serve, to strive because they've created this fucked up little like libertarian fish tank that like mm-hmm. doesn't really incentivize good things being made. But it I mean, they also like, I, mean, I think it really incentivizes, well, it, it incentivizes things that, you know, print money. And then it incentivizes, like, if you're going to do something outside of that mold, perfection. Like, yeah. But, like, kind of safe perfection. Because, I mean, like, you know, Half Life Alex is an incredible game, but it's about the safest way you could approach, you know, like doing like a new medium, which VR for Valve was. I don't know. know. I think it took swings. I, I I will say, I actually, I think that that was the more ambitious thing for them to do. And I think it, I think the, the, the part that's true is that it felt like a concession prize for not getting more, like, I guess, quote unquote, real half-life. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the things that it was doing were no, no, I mean, like by the end, it did some fucking bonkers shit. Yeah. And um, it was tied, like the, it was tied to premise. the index. Yeah. Sure. No, I mean, um, but yeah, like, I, I think that, you know, because there's obvious desire at Valve to continue doing Half-Life. That's how Alex came about after all those years. Um, but it felt like there was this long stretch, and they talked about this some, where they kept trying to keep doing Half-Life, and they're like, nope, this isn't good enough. Nope, this doesn't work. Nope, this doesn't fit. This isn't right. Um, and like that's sort of the the juxtaposition of Valve. It's either like, you know, 
Um, we can be over here pumping out updates for Counter-Strike and Dota, even and even those come out pretty slowly compared to other games in the same sort of like mold. Um, or we can be over here never being satisfied with our next big swing. Or just not doing it or just like forgetting that people do it. And, you know, uh, I don't I don't know. It's like I, I th it feels like a longer metaphor for like things that are happening within Silicon Valley, which is that like if you look at the development of the Internet, that took like a lot of like intervention, like in just or just pure research, like, the, you know, like the idea of like the way you get new shit is by people taking a really long time to do that stuff and having the resources to do it. And like if you have this structure, it is fundamentally going to return to this over and over and over again. Like they'll they may occasionally get like a big swing, but they're not going to you're never going to get another team fortress. I mean, maybe they will. I don't fucking know. But like the thing that created Team Fortress is gone. The thing that invented Portal is gone. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the there isn't there in the same way. And like there's no incentivization structure there for that kind of shit. And it kind of takes somebody taking a really, really big swing and taking a chance and having something approaching a vision or at least giving enabling the people who have that to, to do it. And I don't it, it just feels like the internal structure of Google. You know what I mean? Where like Google is literally just like everybody starts a project and then you just see a graveyard of projects. You know what I mean? Like, and I can't, I don't want to speak about the internal like workings of it otherwise, but like, it's frustrating to see something like that. And you're like, oh, there's something here. There's something here. I really want something closer to this. And then just like nothing. You know what I mean? And yeah. It, it, it really is a bummer. Yeah. And I think that was true for both like Half-Life Alex and even some of their smaller, more experimental projects like, like the lab, um, where you see this like, you know, very inventive and playful spirit in the things they do put out along those lines. Um, but again, like you're saying, there's not really an incentive to do it regularly or frequently um, or to encourage other people to do it. And then at the same time, you have like a lot of, you know, the, and maybe this will change things, but like a lot of the old heads from Valve, a lot of the people who are like, you know, were the names of that place back in the day, um, departing and leaving and retiring because they are literally old now. Um, yeah. But at the same time, you know, you don't usually see massive structures change just because one or two people left, you know, structures calcify and they stay the way that they are because either that's what has always worked or people who are still there believe that that still works. So and like for Valve's purposes, which are making obscene amounts of money, this definitely works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It works for that. It works. It works for people who are just like in fucking on a yacht in like New Zealand. It works for Gabe, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I kind of, I kind of don't begrudge him like doing that shit, but also like, you know, I can because it's, you know, it's a waste. All the shit's a waste. Yeah. Um, not all of it, you know, I'm, there's, there's productive stuff happening. It's just that there's no, there's nothing, I don't know. It feels like we're, we're not, um, we're not in a place to make new things and, it, it, you know, it makes you sad for the lack of, of an environment that allows that. And that's not just limited to Valve. That's like literally everywhere. It's like people are getting, like people are getting more conservative with what they pitch, not, you know, not less conservative. And it's, it's, it creates boredom it creates stagnation yeah well then you know at the same time all throughout the industry we have tons of and i've, I've harped on this repeatedly um cancellations of new projects I mean we just talked about mm -hmm. like blizzard survival game last week which probably would not even have even been particularly innovative because that's not really what blizzard does um but would still nonetheless have been something new and so yeah i mean 
it, it does seem like the opportunities, at least for AAA level studios to be innovative and interesting are few and far between and getting further between. Um, yeah. Which again is a shame and kind of, you know, goes back to, I think why people freak out so much when you see even like Death Stranding 2, which at least seems to be taking some swings because that's one of the few places where people still get to do that. Um, it's still bankable though. I mean, it is still a thing they know. They're like, he's a known quantity. Like a yeah. tour, tourism isn't really about like the art in, as it relates in the game industry. It, it's, it's about like a brand that you put onto things. You know what I mean? Like it is, it's literally like, oh, you know, we can get a thing at the game awards and we can do our little meme and then we can have yeah. like Jeff, you know, Jeff Keighley and like, you know, Jordan Peele and all these guys, and then they're friends together. And wouldn't you like to play this game? Right. They're friends. Like half of it is marketing. Half of it is marketing. And like, that's always been the case, but also like, I don't know, man, it's just, it's frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. It's all uh, weird and in some cases bad. Um, speaking of things that are not weird and bad, but are instead just fine, man, not a great transition. I did my best. Um, yeah, just good. whatever. Yeah. So, uh, Suicide Squad has been the other recent uh, topic of frequent discussion, um, despite the fact that until like earlier this week, it was not even really playable by most of the populace. Um, but yeah. But you, you know, played it just today. Yeah, I played it last it night. Aftermath.site. I did. Um, because yeah, I think it's been, you know, sort of an interesting thing to watch in that many people, especially once they learned that it would have live service elements, um, were so desperate to see it fail that in fact, like, you know, Rocksteady went back and retooled it for a year to try to take some of that stuff out. Um, nonetheless, people remained, I think, very, you know, hostile toward it in this way that you see with some games, but I don't think that we've seen to this degree before, where just like every time that it stepped on a rake or that it had like a mild to major issue, like the peanut gallery just erupted in applause. They're like, yes, fall down those stairs, fall down yeah. those stairs. Yeah. It was frustrating because like, I, I, you know, even I will say that like, yeah, it's kind of a red flag when, you know, they don't send code. It's not, I mean, Riley, you wrote an entire piece about, you know, it's just like, it, it's frustrating when be like, yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't sound like, that sounds like it's got issues. And I don't know, it's one yeah. of those things where I didn't get a chance to play it pre, pre-release. And, you know, I, I defer to Nathan in terms of like how much there is there, but like, yeah, it, it was, it was, it felt almost like unidirectional. Like I, I, I was looking for, you know, clips for my show for that game. Cause I was like, yeah, it's a big kind of open world game. Those things usually break in pretty funny ways and have little good moments. And it felt like, like there were people who were mad at it for going, it's like, okay, now it's too woke. Uh, and then people who are like, this looks worse than Arkham. And there was just like a really kind of like unfair graphical comparison of mm -hmm. like Arkham. And it was all, and it was notably like about, ab around like, look at how Harley Quinn's ass looks worse. And it's just like, it felt very like everybody was out for it. Yeah. And exactly. that made me have a little bit of it, like empathy for it and like particularly the people who made it. And I also like understand, you know, Riley, you can speak to this, um, this sort of skepticism of people defending it, but it's also like, okay, but like, how's the game literally at the end of the day? Like, how is the game? Right. <laughs> and, and, and it filled all over the place. And the, both of you can speak to this. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, that, that's what my piece is, or my piece today is about, um, is that in the end, and like, I think that, you know, if people had been a little bit less knives outy about it, they could have seen this coming. 
the, the game is fine. Like, I mean, yeah. it feels good to play. Um, I'm sure that some of the like live service elements in terms of, you know, grinding and acquiring gear and stuff will be annoying later on. But at the outset, it's just, it feels good. It's fun. Traversal is really good. Like traversal is um, like Crackdown 2.0, not Crackdown 2, which is not a good game. Um, you know, mm -hmm. and like the, the thing that I wrote about in my piece is like, unfortunately in this day and age, like a game, at least at the scale, can't just be fine. I mean, for the obvious monetary reasons, but then also because like the way that we talk about games is such that, especially in the case of a game like this, um, it's got to be a representative of something or a stand in for something or the best something ever or the worst something ever. Like it can't just be, you know, hey, they put out a new DC game and it's it's solid. It's all right. Yeah. Um, one, even one, though like, okay. yeah. I mean, do you think that's hard with like superhero-y pop culture tie-in i i to continue just hating things people like i'm not interested in like superheroes and and Marvel yeah i mean i'm, I'm tired of them too I, I but people yeah, probably yeah. have part of the selling point of of it i imagine is that that passion that people have for that sort of I, I, that universe and so maybe that also like riles I think, people up i don't know i think a part of it is also kevin conroy yeah, well, yeah, I think that's sure. a like part. Kevin Conroy's, like this being like quote unquote Kevin Conroy's performance, and then they're like, wait, we found another one. I yeah. really didn't know the specifics of that, but it sounds like he pre-recorded something, so it's technically not his last one. Mm -hmm. But also, people were like, oh, they were gonna do him dirty for this one, and it's like, oh man, I don't know. It's like it's it's frustrating because like it does seem like a really complicated game to make, like a big, huge open world game with multiple characters working in the same amount. Like that feels like it's a fucking hassle to optimize. You yeah. know what I mean? And like, and like, I understand people being weird about the characterization, but also the characterization feels like it's not being done. It, it, you know, you hit a tipping point of the hate machine where it's like after a certain point, like nobody's going to like this. Unless it has some like really one in a million like um, come to Jesus moment, you know what I mean? Like if unless it's the weird cyberpunk like like going through the black hole and coming out the other side thing, mm. and that rarely happens. You know, you'll hit the hate point, and I and I and I admit that I will be not complicit in that, but also like I know that like hey, if some goofy shit happens, it's my job to document that, mm -hmm. and I think that it's 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 it can feel complicated because you don't want a game to be bad and i don't think the people who make the games are don't want them no, to be bad. They and sometimes to be bad. but sometimes people want games to be bad even when they're not when they're like fine yeah you know well, what I mean, I mean i think that was the case here and like again this is what i wrote about um this idea that like people really wanted this to be bad because they either they wanted retribution and so seeing a game like this fail as much as it is possible for it to fail you know to them felt like some sort of cosmic justice they could be like hell yeah, finally, you know, the bad thing got what it deserved. Um, or as a result of that, an outcome of that, even though this is not how things tend to work, they thought, oh, well, maybe if this fails as spectacularly as possible, um, then the industry will change course. It will stop doing this live service stuff. Um, it will stop affixing these elements that I don't like to these properties and licenses that I do like. Um, it's not gonna like, happen, dude. It, it just felt like, you know, everybody was attaching all of these different grievances to it. Cause I think your Kevin Conroy point is also correct. People were attaching that grievance. They were attaching the grievance of, I love the Arkham games. And here's Rocksteady, the developer of those games, who's proven they can make some incredible stuff now on this game that feels somehow less or lower to me. Um, like people were just throwing everything that they possibly could at it again, because they're like, well, here's the big new game and it's gotta be a representative of something, a stand in for something that I want to talk about or that I'm feeling. And it's just like, 
we can't do that with everything because invariably either a game will not live up to those expectations or it'll just be fine because a lot of things are just fine even when you put this much effort into making it like it's just not possible for everything to be the most thing ever that defeats the point also somebody uh sorry pajamas spelled pajamas in the in the chat said rightfully people have weird associations with suicide squad both the versions of the movie too where you have like the suicide squad and suicide squad and one of those made money and one of them didn't and part of that's because of fucking covid and part of it's because of Jared Leto's Joker. James Gunn. Yeah. And like, and it feels like very, it's like a very specific property who I don't know who the fans are anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or, and like, it's also a volatile property because you have people who are like, they made it woke. And, you know, because like, the, of course, if you like the Edgelord shit, non zero chance you're the person who doesn't like Harley Quinn. Birds of Prey, which I like, actually like that movie. It's got some pretty good, yeah. like, oh, John really Wick good. style act. Yeah, it's a pretty good movie. Um, I will say um, the uh, the second Suicide Squad movie, also really good. Eh, uh, the gun one, I liked it. Uh, it's It's got moments. It's got moments. But it, they're, they're, it's a James Gunn movie. You know, it's, yeah. it's I think, uh, Peacekeeper's oh, better yeah. than that. Peacemaker, I think a better yeah. Pro- Peacemaker, sorry, Peacemaker. I apologize. Yeah, okay. uh, I, I think Peacemaker's really a much truer to his, like, trauma beats and there's more to it there yeah, and i think he I should agree. just i think he's better at tv i'm gonna be honest um but oh, yeah i got bad news I, about what he's gonna be doing for the next fucking several decades <laughs> um but yeah anyway, well, anyway i it, it, it seems like a mess damn uh there's also better games to talk about i mean like yeah. there's some really good games that came out this week uh, Tekken came out, didn't have enough time to play a lot of Tekken, but uh, people be, really like Tekken. Oh, yeah? Uh, hmm. Tekken's, Tekken's doing pretty good. Uh, has a great character creator. Tekken always has a pretty good character creator. This one's really good. Um, but also just like, I don't know. It feels like we reached a a real critical mass with Tekken this time, where you have people being like, yeah, maybe I will play Tekken. I am... Yeah in that moment right now well, and mean, also they they had they just they just played their cards right with it you know they had like smart 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 um uh pr stuff but also just like i was watching like tekken and like there's they're just they have some really good fades in that movie i'm not i'm not gonna lie it's just like people were just like tons of people were making fucking drake you know <laughs> i mean like they were making like is a pretty strong character creator and like also just like they seem to know who their audience is which is hype beasts mm-hmm. it's a very hype beast coded game yeah. i mean it always has been but they're really leaning into it in a way that feels smart yeah um no i mean i also i, I was talking to a friend who's like more into that style of game than me and he was saying that like between tekken and street fighter um, both of the new entries in these series have done a good job of kind of you know like extending a hand to people who otherwise feel daunted by fighting games They've like sort of, you know, opened the door a little bit more. And that could also be um, helping with this excitement around them. Part of the reason why people are like saying, yeah, this is the this is the the game in the series. Like this is the one that everyone should be playing is because like the people who made the games finally wised up a little bit. And they're like, yeah, this, you know, fighting games is a community, a little bit insular. And like the games themselves can get kind of arcane after a certain point. So let's like Um, make sure that there are modes in these games that serve as on ramps. And it seems like both Tekken and Street Fighter are doing a good job of that. Uh, someone, uh, Pajamas also said, went to a show where the other DJs were playing and projecting uh, Tekken 8 behind the performers that weren't up and it ruled. I think I've I've had similar experiences actually with a with Awake once. 
if memory serves, like like a funeral. Maybe? Yeah, somebody somebody Man. died, and real and it real was theme just like, for this week's episode. Yeah, it geez. was uh, it was just you know they had a they had a they had a pool. Well, you know he's a street artist, and they had a pool, and like I think okay. they were just blasting tech in the background because it's like you would have wanted this, you know what I mean? And it's just like it's 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 literally just you know Tekken's fucking real shit. I'm sorry, like it's good, and you know I'm it's good to see it. It's good to see them push for it and to feel confident in it and for it to like have a place really like to it feels like it's centered in a way that it hasn't been for a really long time. You know what? I I haven't played Tekken in a long time, but I did watch the anime when that came out a couple of years ago. And I was surprised at how like decent it was. It wasn't amazing, but it was the kind of thing where I was like, you know, I would I would show this to people if they wanted a dumb action thing. So I think in general, like, because that was also surprising to me at all that that existed. Um, it feels mm. like that is a series that um, really had a lane that it was staying in for a while and then suddenly got kind of adventurous. And like that lane was still, you know, Tekken's story has always been bonkers. Um, Tekken has always had really interesting character designs. But it was like, yeah, we're just going to be Tekken over here in our little corner. And more recently, they're like, we want to be Tekken, you know, for the world or for the broader gaming landscape. This is no longer just its own little thing. Yeah. Yeah, um, good. Yeah. It knows what it is. I love when a thing knows what it is and can just really deliver on that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's what all, all the best things are. Um, you know, best you can say for an identity crisis for a series or a person is that sometimes it's interesting, but most of the time it's just messy. Um, Mm. but yeah, moving on to, I think another subject that is near and dear, especially to Riley's heart. Um, so I mean, not in a happy way, mind you, but yeah, um, Embracer, uh, canceled a Deus Ex game this week and laid off a lot of people, which is the real tragedy of it. Um, but you know, caught in the crossfire was a new game and one of the most influential cyberpunk series in video games and maybe just in media. I don't know if I go that far, but Mm. yeah, it's, I, um, I was going to do the horrible thing that people do and, and make a joke at Jason about him canceling Deus Ex and And then I didn't because I know that that's annoying, (laughs) but God damn it. Why did he cancel Deus Ex? Yeah. It was weird because of course that's such a bummer. And also people are getting, laid off and i definitely struggle with the idea of like oh, i don't want to be some like gamer who's like but my games man and um yeah if according to bloomberg's report like they're still gonna work on something original and and that's good because i do sort of like have a deep conflict in myself about like i hate that everything is a franchise or an ip or like all these horrible words that we end up having to use that like normal humans don't say the word ip like my god um, but then I want like a new game in the kind of game that I like. So like, um, but it is a real shame. I mean, it was so wacky when, cause I, I was trying to go back and look up when that had all happened. and remembering that day that like we all woke up and it was like Embracer owns like everything now, right? They got mm-hmm. Tomb Raider and Deus Ex. And then I think uh, shortly thereafter or before, I can't remember exactly. They got, you know, Lord of the Rings and it was like. We all kind of knew though. Yeah. Like yeah. we all knew this was, 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 was going to crash this, and burn. We all knew that the shoe yeah. was going to drop. Like, if you yeah. didn't, you weren't paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, I, mean, I think the thing that's been so disheartening is to watch it, to watch the shoe drop in slow motion. Or to watch the, I guess the shoe dropped immediately, and now it we're seeing the reverberations. Quick. It was a pretty um, quick, quick drop in shoe. It's yeah. just, it like. But it, I mean, we're it, still it, watching it play out in slow-mo. We're like. There's just you know, a lot of shoe to drop. There's a new, yeah. 
every month there's a new set of layoffs. Every month there's more bad news for an Embracer-owned yeah. company. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it's just all been, you know, there, there's never not a time where something bad is happening. And that's that becomes really difficult after a while. Um, or it becomes numbing in this way where I think, unfortunately, for people to be pulled back in such that they care, it has to impact, like, you know, Riley, as you're saying, game series that you like or care about. You're like, oh, you know, now I'm feeling the impact of this human toll because there's this thing that, you know, irrespective of who is working on it, I care a lot about. And I can sort of re-engage and think, man, this really sucks. Like, this sucks no matter how you look at it. Yeah, I wrote this in my article. I was just checking to see if I had written it or if it had been cut because I couldn't remember. <laughs> um, that I think it's part of this, you know, this broader thing we're seeing with all these streamers and everything, like streaming companies, not individual humans, um, <laughs> as well. Where like these people who don't care about the thing buy the thing, and then they just they it doesn't matter to them, right? It doesn't matter. You know, I think about like you know HBO canceling Westworld, which I remember watching the first season of and liking, and then I recently read like a Wikipedia summary of the rest of it, and I was like, the fuck? Like, yeah, what when is they this? leave when so, they like, leave Westworld, it seems to really go off the rails yeah, and just so, like, not be interesting not, anymore. Whether or not it's worth you know, can ending the show seems fine. Whether or not the show was good, but the, the idea that you would take this thing, which is your tentpole thing and you would wipe it from existence is just like bonkers right and and i think that you see the same danger with embracer where like you know they own tomb raider and deus ex and like they could just you know vault it for all time they don't give a shit like they just know that it's like a word people have heard of and so they want to own it too you know like yeah, that's upsetting. Yeah. Um, these are the people who use the term IP. They use it all the time. Right, exactly. They probably <laughs> use it more than like the word the or a. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, and that's scary, you know. Because I mean, we we've seen the same in journalism. Like this is boring to say, but it's like these these people keep buying journalism outlets who don't care about the news, and it makes me, a person who works for, has worked for those people, feel you know bonkers. But it's yeah. like. They don't even why care about you, making money either. Yeah, like, really. why did you buy this? We could be bricks or bread or any any object. It doesn't matter to them what the object is. And, and I don't know why you would choose, you know, journalism. But then you you end up in this conflict that I think in journalism with journalism owners, I have found myself to end up in this conflict where it just like you can't even come to consensus, right? Where it's like you don't want me to do the the job that you purchased because, you know, we don't want to pay for lawyers or whatever. And like, and that's just kind of, that's just how we do it now. Like there is a subset of, of men who buy a thing and the thing doesn't matter. And then they ruin it. And they're like, well, we did it. And like, nobody stops them. And I think yeah, and we, they get opportunities you know, to buy more things Yeah, and, and just, keep doing it. And like, it is a, you know, deliberately in most senses, ruinous cycle. Then the point is to take things and ruin them and make yeah. money off of that. And the yeah, end game you, is you, just you monetize more money. the rod. You monetize yeah, the right. rod. Yeah. 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 So it's it's a real shame. I like Deus Ex. Um I haven't actually played the first one. I think I was asking in my comments. I feel like there's a there's a way when PC games get too old where like the controls 
uh, come from a different era. And like, I, I remember I tried to play one of the old thieves and it was like, press, you know, oh, F4 that, to crouch mm, or something. And I'm like, dude, no, no I'm you not pressing anything in the F row. And I, I feel like, I don't know if like Deus Ex is kind of in there too, where it's like, uh, it's I, definitely pretty clunky at this point. Yeah. So I've never been sure how to, how to get into it. Cause uh, I, I feel like it's, there mods actually are, there's right, that one's pretty like, modded. I, it's going my down this hole, and like I might own some like remake of it, some fan made thing somewhere. Yeah, I think I okay. think there's like total conversion mods. I know there's like ones for like yeah. sync if memory serves. I I, I know a lot I've, of people who I think I've are got like one of those. I know a lot of people who are but. younger who like that game. I think it still has legs, really, in a in a kind of like yeah. serial experiments lane way. But then like I think like, like young people know it as like kind of a memey game because you know he's like. Just, just, just the way he talks. It's just like a very <laughs> easy thing to do. And I think that like the torch, there is a real solid base, particularly for that IP. Uh, you guys, you do it. Everyone does it. I can't stand it. No, but I like, like as bend myself in knots trying never to say franchise or IP. I hate it. it so, makes it so much awful. you could do with this one. You know what I mean? It yeah. doesn't have just to make die. make a new freaking stealth game, man. Throw uh, throw Elias Defexus in the booth again and just give me a stealth game. Give me some vents and some crates and some cyber arms. And like, I'm good, man. Like, come on. That's right. That's Riley stuff. <laughs> like, <laughs> You know? Yeah, but it also like, do you need to? You know, I guess this touches also on on the other thing that happened this this week, which is them delisting Spec Ops the line, mm-hmm. which is another game that I really love, but I don't know that you you don't need it. It sucked because I wrote this article and then Luke and I changed the headline, and then they announced that they were delisting it everywhere, not just on Steam. Mm-hmm. So now I worry. For the record, if you're staring at the homepage of Aftermath.site, I do not think it's good that they that you can't buy it anymore. I think that sucks. Um, but I was just like, I have to move on from this. Um, but um, I don't know that that's a game that you need to play. I think it's like good to be aware of. And I, as I wrote, I'm deeply, deeply fond of it and and everything. But like, and I, I said, you know, it's still on my hard drive, even though I'm not going to play it. And um, like, at what point, like, how do you, I guess, how do you engage? Maybe that's a good thing about YouTube and stuff is like, you can engage with these games without playing them when they're difficult to play for a host of technical and other reasons um but like you know yeah like when i say oh my god you gotta pay spec ops the line like i don't know probably not um you can I'm just like, respect do it i from need afar. to play yeah do i yeah. need to play the original deus Ex? well and like, like you know it's one of those games too where like and you you talked about this in your post riley um but there's there's a whole book about it um there are actually yeah. other pieces of media not just videos on youtube through which you can engage with this thing and even the broader context surrounding it and its release and what it meant at the time, um, which, you know, that's the kind of thing I think also if we're talking about preservation, we need more of. Yeah, and It's for like sure. this media that really engages with the context of a thing. So even when you preserve the thing itself in, you know, the fullest capacity you can to the point where it's a one-to-one recreation, perfect. Um, you, you still, you know, that context gets washed away really fast as we were talking about earlier online, you know following and this was not a good website but like the death of the messenger um you know that fate awaits so many things on the internet where we like try to you know find our context and do our meaning making um and so yeah we we need more of these deeper examinations into these pieces of media which themselves will probably not exist for long you know it's a long it's Mm. just this constant process of and I use this metaphor way too much, but it's the Wiley Coyote thing again, building this little wood plank out while all of the other planks collapse behind you. Just got to build yes. faster. 
the human condition to to some extent, but but also yeah. very true. And I love that movie. Digital media of all kinds. Um, um, but yeah, I feel like I should reinstall Human Revolution and and try to because I remember like because you the the boss fights in that game really suck, but then the director's cut made them like better, and then I think I like had started a no kill. I'd been like halfway through like a no kill no detection run, the dream of me, the stealth gamer that I could never <laughs> attain, and um. Then the, I think the director's cut came out, and I was like, oh, I should start to get in there. Because I think in that one, you can sort of stealth the bosses better. Because right. I remember getting to the first boss, and like, I've been playing it stealthy, and I had no guns. And they're like, here's this guy you have to kill. And I'm like, I have no killing objects. Like, I cannot, I can't, I can't do it. Like, I, I, I got love- through most of those boss fights. They all had, um, there were hacks you could do, like the... Maybe this is like spoilers, but like you could get the guy to blow himself up or the the lady. You mm. could get her to like you right. Could I remember the one where like you could get somebody then, to kill themselves essentially. Yeah, he, yeah, you could get him to like walk into his. And then the third guy, if you hit him in the exact right place that he was vaulting, you could one punch kill him. And that's just how I did it because I was, which is like felt so cheap. But I was like, the game is so not a boss fight game that no, there was really boss it was fights. A, it was a weird was element like, of that game. Yeah, I um, love that game. But no, I do love the idea of like a no kill, no detection run from a narrative perspective. Because I mean, it's the overarching storyline of the game for every character in it is they all had a really normal day. (laughs) (laughs) There's, um, I haven't written about this yet. Oh, it's so dumb. There's this PC gamer series from like 10, 15, not 15 years ago, but whenever Dishonored 1 came out, where they try to make all of the deaths look like accidents, and, and it <laughs> involves, and it's nice. Chris, Chris something. Um, Livingston, Some almost Chris, certainly. No, I think it's a different one. Um, Wait, really? And oh, it, yeah. Are there Chris's? And um, yeah, from that period at PC Gamer, I think a lot of people named Chris. Um, I should like <laughs> to link it. We can link it in the show notes. Dang, and it's but- just so funny and it's so interesting and it's so weird and it's so tedious and strange to do. And, you know, the game doesn't know that you've done it. And it's like, it's so good. And I think stealth games like really lend themselves to that in some ways. And I love like playthroughs like that that are like weird, you know? And so, yeah, that's what I used to do. I mean, even when I was a kid playing, coincidentally, uh, Metal Gear Solid 2, that's what I'd do. I would just like, so I remember when the demo for that game came out with Sound of the Enders and I played that demo for an incalculable number of hours and I would just like, you know, use the little, or the little like, um, pistol that knocked people out to make everyone unconscious. Then I just drag their bodies around and put them in funny places and, you know, (laughs) um, position them in ways that were amusing to me. I'd like put up because the, the pistol fired like little needles. And so I just like fill people's heads with needles. They look like cactuses. Um, you know, just derived infinite joy from that. Uh, I didn't write about this because I couldn't get the video to work. Um, but I, I saw someone do something like this in Hitman, where they tried to do Hitman without actually doing anything like illegal. Mm-hmm. Um, not like not getting caught, but like I'm not going to do any crimes, which means not <laughs> stealing, not stealing. So they would like take a, a hammer or whatever, and then they would put it back before they were done. That's and, like they great. could knock anyone out, and they couldn't take anyone's clothes, and it was like so funny. And the same, it's like it's so tedious, and and there's no reason to do it, but it's so good and i think that immersive the sims like lend themselves to that so well and yeah. like, hitman vegetarian kill <laughs> <laughs> right like yeah well, i mean yeah it's really good i i think what you are maybe like kind of homing in on is that like those systems lend themselves to actual play like i mean yeah. you know you play games obviously um but there's a difference between doing a bunch of on rails stuff the way that a game is prescribing and just like having the space to mess around and like, yeah, laugh at the outcomes of the situations you've created for yourself. And like, you know, I really, yeah, I really enjoy that idea. Also, 
pajamas in chat just said cruelty free hitman <laughs> I mean, free right. range hitman these hitmen were not <laughs> forced hitman. to live in little dark coops all day long they get to roam in the field they get corn off the ground just hitman you know. gives you both right it gives you this option to to yeah to where everyone just had a totally normal day and nobody knows you were there but then you can also which i've also done in like the sapienza level of hitman one like systematically kill every single person mm-hmm. on the level which is also tedious and stupid in its own special way and you can yeah. just do all of these things and it's so you know it's so fun and games like that i think one of one of my you know, we're favorite of, but they're great uh one of my favorite things was uh, that somebody ever did was in the second Prey. Um, Space Station Prey. Yeah, that game was um, good. I was just it was good. about playing that again. A good game. It's good, good ass. I didn't play the Rogue like that, uh, but I heard it was great. So they took every object in the station and put it in one place. And then they just <laughs> kept throwing trash grenades at it. There's a there's a grenade you can do that like in the game yeah, yeah. creates a little black hole. For people who don't know, it creates a little black hole that then like sucks up a bunch of stuff and then like turns it into like materials. And so basically it like doing this with every object that you could pick up in the game in one space like caused it to go into single digit frames. It was really funny. <laughs> and I could never find that clip. I don't I think I put it on the show. I don't feel like watching every episode of the show just to find it. Uh but it was really cool. I mean I think a thing that's interesting about a lot of these immersive sims which I love like Dishonored or Prey or Deus Ex is like the plots are often really stupid. Um, and, you know, and I remember like when I first played Dishonored, I think the thing that got me into Dishonored was this this PC gamer series where I first started playing it and I was like, oh, got it. Like, what is this? Tale of Revenge. Uh, oh, gosh, this thing has happened. I had no idea. Um, but to me, the plots are sort of, you know, secondary to like mm-hmm. the thing that it gives you, like, you know, and pray and the way it ends and blah, blah, blah. But like the, the whole toy of the thing and then is so fun and so good and like i i so i kind of despite earlier you know grinding my axe about ridiculous video game things i feel like i a little bit give the the plots of like immersive sims a bit of a pass because i'm like okay you have to have something so that it isn't just a toy but like yeah whatever well, so, or, you know, hush, hush. Or, or one of those things where like you interpret a plot to be better if you yeah. really enjoy the game that it's inside of, you know what I mean? And I mean, it's, you I know, think- the Deus, the Deus Ex, you know, Human Revolution, you know, big plot ending <laughs> button press thing, like whatever, man. Yeah, it's not, not very, not not very smart. Of, you know, yeah, mankind the, uh, divided soul. And as Firewhiskers in chat says, um, the big boss of the original Deus Ex is a guy named Bob. Well, that's just cool. <laughs> that's just neat. Yeah, that is neat. Um, Senator Armstrong. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, from, uh, from fucking Revengeance. Revengeance. Um, but yeah. All right. Well, with all of that said, I think it's time for us to move on to some reader slash viewer slash listener questions. Um, reader questions. So, Boom. Um, we got a few in Discord. I'm going to do those first. Folks in chat, if you want to contribute your own, go for it. Um, so let's start with Game Boy Advance, who asks, now that you're free from SEO hell, do you think there's still reason to do traditional reviews? Or is it maybe more appealing to just talk about things piecemeal as you play? I think yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was thinking about this just today. Um, yeah, I think they're useful as criticism. I think they're a useful thing to have. I think even though the point of a review isn't to to tell people if they should buy a game, I think that I, as a person who plays games, always want to hear what the people that I respect think about a game that I'm thinking about. Um, I think we'd have to think about what the the play process looks like. I think as as we and others have talked to death, the um 
you know, the labor conditions of the game review can often be quite shitty. But, um, uh, you know, I, I, I want to say yes. It's a group decision, but I'd like to very much. I, I, that, I, so. I think I agree, but also, like, it's tricky because, like, what do you get out of that? You know, like, in terms of... Um, I I don't mean like that in a in a in a in a complete way. Like I love reviews actually. I, I think that before I, I guess not much changes if we do a review here versus when we did it at Kotaku, except like the structure for who gets who is reviewing something and why they're reviewing it and like the conditions in it. But I think that the actual criticism is is often like once you don't have uh once you don't have scores, you kinda are free that's the really freeing thing um, is not having scores. Like SEO sucks, you know, but like you do get marginally more interesting when you don't really have SEO hell, but like they, they treat you differently when you don't do scores. You know what I mean? Like you're, yeah. you know, like you're, you're, they want you to cover it, but like they're, nobody's paycheck is on the line in the same way or it's online in a different way. So that's the part that's actually freeing, you know, is is to 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 te- untether yourself from that machine, and then yeah. further doing so is is useful. I mean, like, I guess the other thing is like nobody's going to, nobody here is going to make anybody review this, mm-hmm. um, because yeah. we all we all are called a collective, and it's like, but I, you know, there is an element of like, you know, I was I was like I was like I'm going to play a little bit of the Silent Hill game. I'm going to see what it's like, and I think what I I'm turning in is closer to a review because it's not a very long game or experience or whatever you want to call it. But like that became a situation of like, like you said, like you heard what I was going to call that it and you're like, Oh, that's a post. And (laughs) that's, that's the dynamic is like, you're playing this a whole lot. Maybe you should just post this. And you're like, yeah, you're right. And, And there's an honesty of like, you're really volunteering for this on some level. Um, and there, there's communication, particularly in a pre-release context with doing that. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. It's none of my, knew whatever you want. <laughs> I think that yeah. there's still value to like, you know, the little, I mean, this was a thing at Kotaku, right? Where like somebody would get the review and, and that was, you know, good or bad for them or you, if you wanted or didn't want it or whatever. <laughs> and then one of the more freeing things was like someone had to do the review and tips and then you got to do the fun stuff, which is just like write the cool blogs. Um, I, I think that there's still value in evaluate a, th- a thing as a whole as opposed to a ton of piecemeal like articles and and i personally like i enjoy that i want to do that i find that you know pleasurable um but I, you, you you don't have to i definitely agree that you know I, we were so lucky at kataka that we didn't do scores i think wapo did do scores yeah, but i was never sort of. i was never part of it they happened away from us yeah um i i um, think uh, i never had anything to do no, with i mean I, I feel like you know there's definitely value in evaluating the whole thing. And I think that like, there is something that we aimed for at Kotaku that we did not really succeed at because we were always subject to, again, you know, the ravages of SEO and stuff like that and the need to, you know, constantly be generating traffic. But not, um, traffic, but I, yes, but I, I would yeah. argue SEO well, not till later. I mean, later. I mean, we didn't start talking. Um, yeah. yeah. But, but at first, anyway, like, you know, um, <laughs> no, we, we still had that issue of like trying to balance between, because I think like the, the goal we had at Kotaku for reviews, at least, you know, later on, was like to, regardless of when it's published, for it to be a definitive statement, for it to be the definitive statement on a game. And I think that was a cool thing to aim for when we were able to actually do it. But there was always that challenge of, yeah, but we still want this to be timely. We still want it to be up relatively close to the game's release. Sometimes 
And like that was almost an impossible push pull dynamic to really, you know, balance. Which um, is common to I, for, you know, everyone who who works in this. I don't think that was like But I also yeah, think specific. that I also think that that is the benefit that we have a little bit is like, you know, there's always the benefit of the slow take and like you don't always have to have the slow take, mm-hmm. but there's times where like when you're in a in a void uh reviewing something, there's times in which your feelings about a thing are truer in a pre-release sense, and there are times in which Really, the only smart stuff comes out after it's sort of been exposed to the public. And some of that can feel reactive but in that's ways that t- aren't right. good. And yeah. some of it, but, but also some of the, uh, there can be a bit of confirmation bias in terms of like, or even just like not really understanding like the whole context of the game when you review it in like when it's not out. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I had a much different in person. Like, I have a much different like take on Dark Souls Two because I think I played it before it came out, and the way in which you play Dark Souls um, before it comes out is different than the way in which you know it exists in an ecosystem. But also, I think I was spared some of the like more I'm going to say annoying criticisms of that game. Like, I understand people who don't like it. I understand that perspective. I think it's doing a lot of good shit still um dark souls 2 innocent and 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 yeah it, it's complicated there's like pros and cons but also like you can get too hasty when you're rushing something mm-hmm. and yeah. you don't give yourself the, the time to digest the thing and be like did i really like that yeah i mean we've talked about the that a lot right like the conditions of you know i this happened to me i remember i was um i reviewed homefront the revolution for kotaku very very early in starting and i I think it was my first time ever like getting a big game you know before everyone else had it and i was like stuck it was kind of a disaster and i was so tired of playing it and i remember steven let me go home early to play he ordered me to go home early to play it and i was like no man like i got to get out of this game i can't take it anymore and he was like you know imagine like you a year ago you know your boss told you to go home early to play video games and i remember i was you know and i was like oh i can't i was up at like you know, two in the morning trying to do this part where you got to like steal a tank and it wasn't working. <laughs> and, and I remember like talking to him about it because it was, to me, it was like, oh my God, I did this whole game. The game is building up to this moment. And now there's another effing like eight hours of this fucking thing. And I'm like, oh my God, like why? And he was like, yeah, but like if you weren't playing it for a review, would you feel that way? Would you be like, oh sweet, eight more hours of a game. And I think that if you look at yourself too much, you can kind of become paralyzed where it's like is the game really too long or am i just sick of playing it because i've been playing it all week and i have to be done by thursday like yeah you can get the really deadline head yeah yeah the deadline pisses you off mm-hmm. and then yeah. you're like you're not necessarily mad about what the game is doing you're mad about the conditions in which you have to like force feed yourself a game yeah you know well, what also I mean? like yeah you know I, I think especially with so many with so many games and especially AAA games being these big, massive, you know, like 80 to hundred to 120 hour experiences now, like the way that normal people consume those, especially like non diehard hardcore gamers consume yeah. those, um, is like, you just live with them for a while. They become part of your life and they permeate your day-to-day experience for a month or two months or however long. And that's just so fundamentally different than this like review sprint or marathon. Um, and like, yeah. you know, if you're going to play that game, in this very compact fashion, can you even really speak to most people at that point? Or are you having a fundamentally different experience that's just totally unrelatable? Right. 
Yeah, totally right. And and, it, and so is then, that un, is, and is that unsolvable? You know what I mean? Is that like a, a contradiction of terms? Um, yeah, I, I, I do kind of. I think I do want to. I do want to <laughs> go with Fire Whiskers, who said, uh, "Would it be possible to have the give me equivalent of a review show like Siskel and Ebert, in which you have reviewers?" I'm sorry if I was skipping over Discord questions. Hey, oh no, no, no. Uh, we're we're good. We can we can do this one and then okay, go back okay. to Discord. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, reviewers very familiar with the medium, but also with vastly different perspectives on the medium, without it turning to into it turning toxic. Um. Uh, no, because I have you ever watched oh. Siskel and Ebert? They were say toxic. Yes. <laughs> they were the most toxic people. Um, I forget who said it, but it was a post something along the lines of like, I miss when criticism, like people have this idea that criticism is like more toxic than it was. But like, it was just like the, the shit that people used to say in kind of a catty, queeny, like New York City way uh, to each other in, in forms of criticism were like, was really harsh it like it was like eber was like was brutal and people would just like scream at him call him fat be doing really yeah. evil shit but then he'd be like ah fuck you man and it was there's there's, there's, there's like i don't want to like like revert turn to that shit but also like you know that was the context in which he was operating with he was kind of a he's kind of a little bitch you know and and a very nice person to email um but um i don't know i do think that like it's fun to chat and it's fun to have like a different perspective on these things. Cause that's like most people. Yeah. Like, I don't think that any, I don't, I would hope that any professional would not become toxic. I think people have passion. You know, we've seen this happen in, in, in aftermath, right? Where we disagree about certain things and we're all grown ups. Like, yeah. And then you know, suddenly there are like, two, suddenly there are two yeah. blogs on the site about double jumping. <laughs> right. Where did those yeah, come where from? It's like, Oh, <laughs> you know, you hate this thing I like, so you're bad or stupid or whatever. Like we're, we're, we're adults. Um, right. Yeah. So well, we were also talking you, about this even yesterday, um, yeah. about like, you know, Riley, you having kind of a slightly different perspective because you are not steeped in like gaming culture since you were a, a literal infant. And like, the yeah, bat, it's, you know, it's so makes you a step removed from, maybe some other people in like games journalism and stuff, but also that that is a super valuable and good perspective to have. Because again, so many normal people are not this immersed in all of this. And like, those are still the majority of people playing games. Yeah. And like, how can you hope to say something of value, at least to those people, if you have no conception of where they're coming from? Like and you need somebody hard. who is closer yeah. to that. That's hard with reviews too, I think, where I think that like who gets a review and does it, how does that color what what they think? And and there's something to be said for someone familiar with a genre or a series or whatever to review the game. But there's also something I think to be said about like, you know, if are they too into it? And then is it, you know, is the review not helpful? If I were to write a review of Deus Ex, you know, solely about the history of stealth games, like does it become so insular that it's incomprehensible? But I think that's also a challenge. Like Chris, you were sort of saying about Dark Souls, when you get a game beforehand, where I've definitely had moments where I'm like, is this thing confusing or do I not understand it? And, you know, there's no one to ask. And, like, that kind of thing is also yeah. hard. And, like, and, I think and, I've definitely know, stepped in that in reviews where you're like, I think this. And then as soon as people get to play the game, they're like, no, you idiot. It's <laughs> obviously this thing. And you're like, I, I mean, also, also, yeah. like, I like things for other reasons. And I, something I kind of like, try to always be aware of is that sometimes i'll really like something if it's not, not if it's bad but if it like does one really interesting thing or like five really interesting things like that's kind of a good game because i got something out of it versus like a game that's competent and like doesn't really do anything new 
Um, and, but, but also like, I have to like judge like, okay, am I weird for that? And, you know, how do I weigh that against, you know, the experience of most people? You know what I mean? Like, how do I, how do I, how do I reconcile my, my love for something that, that kind of like, like Stranger of Paradise is a good example where it's like, I am a freak for that game, but <laughs> I know it's not good or well-written. Um, it just has like certain things that as a person who has followed the lineage of that company, I'm like, oh man, that's really good. That's really good. That's really good. That part's really good. Oh man. And it's like, and then it has these like, kind of like, you know, cheesy new metal things and it's like i you know I'm, I'm i'm like well do i like that how true is it that i like this versus like everybody who played this game I'm like what the fuck are you talking about chris and it's like <laughs> i you know it's, i don't know man it's kind of fucking cool you know it's just like i have to i have to constantly interrogate the reasons why i like a thing and where how i hate saying universal but like how ap like apropos that is to most people's lives yeah. That's a big question about what a review is for, though. Right, so I was going to say, say, is it good or did I like it? I mean, my personal stance is always that I want, I, because I know that if I'm reviewing something, if there's a good chance that I'm telling people my impressions and they have not played it, they can't, you know, come to their own. So I feel like I always try to cite why I think something yeah. or an example of yeah. something. And I remember, like, this really sucked about reviewing The Last of Us 2, where, like, I hated it, but, like, the embargo restrictions were such that I couldn't say anything about why. And I remember, mm -hmm. like, sitting up at 2 a.m. when the reviews went live, and I was like, the internet is going to tear me apart because I'm making a bad argument. I'm telling you that this thing is bad, and then I'm saying, but I won't tell you why. And it's like, <laughs> I'm just like, this is a nightmare. You know? and, and luckily, like, things were fine. Um, but I remember also, I was, like, also you were vindicated. Yeah, totally. Uh, and it, it's fine. And I think I wrote, I was just rereading that review. Like, you know, it was supposed to be contentious. It's not a bad game because I don't like it. But like, I think that kind of thing is so, that that's like, to me, I think what's really just important is just making a good, solid argument that a reader can yeah. evaluate I mean, that's, without playing the game. Yeah, that's the interesting thing about reviews in general. That's why like, you know, I love reading reviews of like movies and stuff I'm never going to see just yeah. because I like <laughs> to see a well-argued piece of criticism. Um, and like, you know, I think to bring it back to the question of like, what is, what, what will we as Aftermath do? Um, I think that's, you know, the use case for reviews is like us having enough time to come up with a good and compelling and coherent argument to make some sort of a definitive statement about a game or something else that we played or experienced or encountered. Um, and like, you know, that would only appear if those conditions were met. We're not going to like rush to post a review because everyone else is doing it or because a game just came out because there's no need for us to do that. Yeah. Like we that just, is the that is the, yeah. th the thing that I, I agree the most with is like the thing about the structure of this site that makes it unique and also the, makes me really feel at home here is we're not posting shit we don't have to post. You know, like nobody's going to get forced into doing something unless it's like really something like at least in an article format, unless it's like something that like has to get done. And most of the yeah, time, shit doesn't. Yeah, yeah, no, there's like the fucking basic functioning of the site. Yeah, editing there's lots of like, shit we're forced to do. <laughs> there's like, yeah, the newsletter, but not, shit not like that. blogs. Yeah, yeah, but not blogs. You know what I mean? Like, I did not, math like, today. <laughs> yeah, no, but yeah. like the the like, if we say something, it's because we really feel it in our hearts, and we would like to share that with you. And I think that that is really, really rare. Um, not rare, but like, it's a rarer thing in like in games media because you are at you have a gun to your head a lot of the times where it's like well you gotta you gotta have an opinion on like mario versus rabbits 
three or whatever the fuck, you know, right. like you have, you are on call for this and now you are, your job's on the line for it versus like you've had a little bit more time to think. I think it brings you in line with how most people like view games a little bit more. And also, yeah, just not having to review scores. <laughs> Always yeah. good. Always the fucking best thing you can do. Right. Because um, you get that because you can t you can hate it without it impacting the fucking score. You can be like, I really don't like this. Sure. You know, it's fine. You know what I mean? But like, well, that's so like, me or, you know, not even like because this, this obviously is a totally different topic. But I mean, what even is a review score? Why is a number being assigned to a, uh, a piece of art? Yeah, or, uh, yeah. It just but you know what sense. I mean? Never you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. OK. Other questions that we have. Um, I mean. I don't know if we can say anything definitive one way or another on this, um, but uh, Jack Marshall was asking, um, with a raft disappointing reviews coming out for the Vision Pro, as well as a lukewarm take on VR by Luke, um, hey. is VR cooked? And like on that, I mean, I don't know. People yeah, are still making <laughs> VR headsets and games for it. If it is cooked, you know, we're not going to see that process actually reach its it's like zenith or its apex or the its end point for another couple of years at least. I don't know. I, I mean, it's a, worse it's a niche interest that I think is self self sustaining at this point. I mean, like I say, what I always say, which is that there are uses for VR, and they are Beat Saber and porno. Like those are the <laughs> only strong use cases for this. Is like weird rhythm games uh, where like a person in a fursuit streams like the most like high level niche rhythm games. Yeah, and VR chat. Those are all the right things. And every like. Every every time somebody tries to give it another use case, it's 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 frustrating. I mean, the thing about um, the Apple is there elite elite dangerous in VR according to chat because that sounds awesome. yeah yeah, yeah that's yeah, 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 yeah it's, it's, good, it's really good Star Wars uh, Squadrons also yeah. yeah if if you're in a cockpit it's great yeah that's anything where awesome. you're sitting down is fine although it does make you a little motion sick you know like, yeah I can't, I can't um, there are use cases for this stuff. Um, I think basically they're selling the Vision Pro at cost is my understanding. That's the rumor that I heard is that it was, ba you know, they basically just put a dev kit out um, and called it a product. And I think The Verge's review of it is really fair. Um, I think The Wall Street Journal's review of it is funny and also, you know, kind of fair where everybody just sort of was <laughs> like, yeah, this is really expensive. Uh, the things that it does are magical, but I don't know if those things are particularly useful. Um the fact that it's doing video pass through is like it's VR. That's VR. You know what I mean? Like it's not AR or uh, mixed reality. I mean, it is mixed reality, but it's not like the pass through glasses where it's like mm -hmm. a UI, like Google Glass, because those suck ass right now and those won't be good forever. And, you know, a lot of this, I think, is Apple attempting to lay the found foundation of something that will be relevant in like 10 years, maybe. Yeah. Maybe, though. And I don't, I think that they are not necessarily always going to be right on this. I'm sure that these things will matter in another applied. Like, I think the parts that this thing are will be torn up and put into other things that are maybe a little more useful, but like, I don't know, man. Like, like there's the tech world does this thing where they will try to like unicorn something to being everything. And that was always the annoying thing about the metaverse. It's like, you guys, this isn't everything. Not, not everyone wants to do this. The thing weighs like a pound and it's on your fucking head <laughs> and it's like stressful and kind of like annoying and like not everyone yeah. can, you know, I know people that, that that are stereo blind, they can't watch it. And so it's like, you know, this isn't everything to everybody. And so like, you know. 
Yeah, what's no, also, yeah, you know? it's 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 cooked. I mean, like it is cooked, but it's also like who cares? You know, just fucking go play Beat Saber. <laughs> Beat Saber rocks. Right. Well, it's also like you know you're talking about the tech world, and you know all of the like major companies, all the big players, keep trying to predict the future and failing, um, because like they, I think, see it through this lens of you know. We've got to make, like you're saying, the next all-encompassing thing and the next device that everyone will want to buy and the thing that will sell and make us money. Um, and that gets in the way of saying, okay, well, then what is the next thing that human beings will want to use on a regular basis in a way that you know perhaps has a transformative effect on their lives? And the thing about that is that you can't predict it. Um, no. I don't think that anyone ever saw the iPhone or the, the iPod slowly, but surely transforming into the iPhone. Like these were all things that we learned over time of people having one device, starting to use it in certain ways. And then people iterating on that and on that and on that. You can't go from zero to this is the thing everyone's going to use for all purposes forever or for the next couple decades or whatever. Like you just well, can't but, do that. But also like, it's just like how Silicon Valley is funded. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. every, the, 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 the iPhone is the end point of a lot of research that involves like the government and shit. Like you're, you know, like you're not like, like VR, maybe you could say that, but it's like, you need like such a massive investment to have these things that like change people's lives. Like everyone says like, oh, the iPhone happened and then everything. It's like, no, there's like so much shit in there that is downwind of like, like big contracts and like the end result of like bigger programs and investments. And like, you know, nobody wants to do that because VC funding is just like, it literally is like, how can you take a thing that we already know is exists and iterate on it slowly and surely. And that's like, that's a, that's that conservatism is technically profitable, but also erodes a culture, which is like most things that are profitable now erode culture. Because they're mm-hmm. they're conservative in their nature and in or but like so but it leads to like the death of the organism, you know, like we're not sending our best, you know, we don't have like like it require it's it's like the pharmaceutical industry. It's like they're not they're not really making drugs. It's like people in universities and then they patent them. You know, it's just like <laughs> it's like it's nothing. Nobody's bringing like pure research to the equation. Right. Um, OK. We have one more question, and it's very much a Chris, Chris, that Chris question. That's very hard to say. Um, and I say that because it has literally been prefaced as such. Um, from I Once Was a Cat, they ask you, Chris, in particular, mm-hmm. um, how did you get into archiving media and recommendations for others wanting to help with, preser- with preservation? I need um, to write this article. I'm very sorry. Um, <laughs> I've been meaning to write my media preservation article. Um, well, one, I went to film school and uh two i like know it's just i know how to download stuff from i think doing highlight reel actually is part of it because like i know how to download shit directly that helps um but also like i know people in encoding scenes and like you know like private trackers and stuff like that i know like like i know the culture of those things i think it's a much older culture um and a lot of that is tied up with preservation because media companies don't give a shit about some of their stuff. Like they will abandon it. You know what I mean? Like we're seeing that, you know, we're seeing people do this shit as a tax write-off. But also the thing that really got me was like the number of times I have like been like, well, okay, Kids in the Hall is on streaming. Oh, I don't need to keep my DVDs. And then 
lo and behold, it's taken off of streaming and then it's put on a different streaming service and then I have to chase that. And the same thing happened with The Simpsons. And over time, I'm like, fuck this. And I got my hard drive that just has all the good quality rips of The Simpsons and the shows that I want to watch. I have I have copies of Space Ghost that I will have till the day I die because I know I'm never going to be able to find those at one point. Like, w, you know, they'll, they keep just taking them off. And if that happens to you enough times, it begins to really fuck with you. And like, in particular, like, okay, like Beavis and Butthead. Beavis and Butthead was really radicalizing. I know that's a weird thing to say, but yeah. like, you can't watch Beavis and Butthead legally. Like, you can't watch it the way it was intended with the original music video because they fucked up the licensing. You can't watch Daria with the original music the way it was. You can't watch Dragon Ball with broadcast quality audio because of how fucking psycho Toei was and how badly they fucked it up. There are these fan projects that are the only way to actually really consume a thing. And, like we need to get beyond calling that piracy because it is like, it is preservation. I'm sorry. These people, the company don't give a shit. Like you can like, unless you, um, and like there's an on-ramp between, you know, people who start off as encoders and particularly anime encoders who then go to do stuff like, you know, discotheque or to help out with like releases of like rare stuff. Like the most fascinating shit now is people who do 35 millimeter telecine, like at home, 35 millimeter scans of shit that like, like, you know, like the keep, like Michael Mann's ashamed of that movie. He should be. I'm sorry. It was a bad situation. But like, these are the things that begin to radicalize you. And then um, what happened was I, I had a, I've been meaning to write about this, but there is a copy of a Chris Elliott TV special called, uh, it's two, it's called Action Family. And the other one is uh, FDR, a one man show. And he got greenlit to do two of these things. And I have him ripped. And I've spent the last year trying to find the best encoding path for them um, because of how interlacing works. It's very complicated. But like that was the thing. I was like, well, fuck it. I'll get this transferred. Well, I'll get it transferred really well. Oh, well, there's this project I can do that can transfer it. Oh, well, now I'm getting given a laser disc player. And like over time, these things just accumulate and then you find more things that you can help and 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 like really participate in. Um, an answer to the second question, um, having a DVD player is pretty nice. Um like having an external DVD player with um, Libre. Oh God, what is it? It's on the Make MKV forums, but there's a, a form of firmware that you can use, Libre Drive, that um, basically turns any uh, OEM drive that you get from um, Blu-ray drive that you get from like Micro Center into like a 4K one. Like you can rip it without any of the um, the stuff. Like I don't know. Get a NAS if you're really into this shit. Get a NAS. Um, look into VHS decode. Look into the LDE code and yeah, like look into the, I, I will try, if you ask me, I'll try to find more concrete ways, but it's such a big complete statement that I've, I'm having difficulty like encompassing it, but yeah. All right. Well, cool. Um, I think that was all the questions that we got asked. And so with that, I think we are going to depart, but um, thank you so much everybody for showing up everybody who is with us live um thank you everybody else who's tuning in via the podcast method whatever you want to call it um yeah thank you everybody um we'll be back same time next week but until then it was yeah. fun talking at you bye. hasta luego bye